first thing you want to talk about this one. <laughs> See, when you when you do the, I mean, you do the notes. I'm so grateful. But when you do a topic that's vague, I do not know how to introduce it. But you say, <laughs> I don't even want to say it. I don't want to have this on record. You go. <laughs> <laughs> I won't repeat the uh, what's in the note because that was an in joke. So okay. I should pro- when we do the notes, I should probably replace the in jokes when we actually come to recording. Maybe those, just but. use like asterisks, asterisks <laughs> around the in jokes. Well, I don't know. Okay, any. I don't know if you've heard, but there's this little thing called COVID nineteen. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if that's come across your your desk. That's so it's three years ago. Yeah, it's a little thing. Well, in classic fashion, I somehow managed to catch it uh, at the weekend. Ah. Oh. On the uh, I tested positive the same day as my birthday, so it was a good. Uh, Good little uh, little weekend. But... Happy birthday! I'm sorry. No, <laughs> but I'm 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 a lot better now on Thursday. It was pretty rough on this Saturday and stuff. But if my voice does sound a bit uh, croaky or whatever, uh, that's why. But mm-hmm. <laughs> despite what you read in the press, COVID is not over because uh, people still catching it. That's your first time too, huh? Yeah, this is the first time around. I got it the same day as the Queen. So, oh, yeah. I mean. It was kind of fun, but also not sure. not not great. But uh, I'm I'm okay. I'm doing all right. Just, glad, glad, glad you're feeling better. Yeah, my throat's a bit sore still, but if, so my voice is probably isn't like on top form, but it's fine. So let's continue. Well, the next thing that you want to talk about is the uh, HDMI port on your MacBook Pro. I have no idea what this is about because you say that in quotes you're using it, and so I okay <laughs> this this may have been my COVID out of brain. Ah. Uh? Or it may not have been. But for the last three or four days, I have been using the HDMI port on my laptop in a very weak sense of the word because I've sat down, I've pl- plugged my laptop in, and I've gone, I, I use a Thunderbolt dock as I've used on the, ever since I got the 2016 MacBook Pro, you know, five years ago. And I plug in the dock on the right hand side of the desk, i.e., the right hand side of the laptop is where the cable is for the dock. Now, on the 2016 MacBook Pro, you would have two USB-C ports on the left and two USB-C ports on the right. Uh, Thunderbolt ports, obviously. So it didn't matter which port you plugged it into, it was the right one. But I can't get out of this muscle memory habit or whatever. The last This week, I must have plugged the Thunderbolt port, the Thunderbolt cable, into the HDMI slot every single day. Mm. I keep missing it. <laughs> like, I, 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 I put the cable there and I feel it go in. And you can even let go, and because of the shape of the port, it like holds it in place, but obviously nothing happens. And then I sit there for like five seconds. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why is it not working? And then I peer around the side, and the HDMI port's just like got the USB-C thing in the middle of it. So your quote-unquote use is that it's in your way. It's, it's a target that you don't want to hit, and you're hitting it. Yeah. I have not used <laughs> the HDMI port or the SD card slot legitimately since I got the laptop. And I said I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to use them. Mm-hmm. When uh, I ordered it, well, you're, not, like, you're, not a, you're not a photographer, no. videographer. I'm not going to like an actual office where you need to plug into like a projector with a HDMI cable. Yeah, giving right? presentations. So, yeah, yeah. Like for my use case, the additional ports are, uh, you know, n- net zero in terms of contribution, and technically slightly annoying because I do actually would like if I had a choice of build to order options, I would put the second Thunderbolt port back on the right-hand side in favour of the SD card and the HDMI if I could do it, just because that's what I use. And like the Or even if you're only allowed to have three ports, I want the other... I want two... I want the the other um, Thunderbolt port on the right. Like, 
I want the two ports on the right and put the other stuff on the left just because of the way my desk is set up. And that was one of the benefits of the 2016 design is because it was symmetrical, you didn't have any bias there. But now it's like, well, the only one port is on the right-hand side. So theoretically, I guess I should rearrange my desk to put the dock on the left because then there's two Thunderbolt ports on that side. So I'm more likely to find one when I'm just scrabbling with my hand. I don't know. but can't believe they didn't consult you when they were doing like doing this design and asking you about your I desk. Know, and obviously, I'm like the... The minority on this argument because so many people just are so happy the ports are back, which is great. Similarly, the MagSafe connector I don't use either because I just plug into the Thunderbolt dock. Uh, but I have actually used the MagSafe connector a few times when I'm like in the house. That's because I just put that in there instead of the old USB C thing. But I could take or leave the MagSafe as well. But ports aside, I'm really happy with the laptop still. Yeah. In, in practicality, the MagSafe does could give you faster charging than USB C. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's nice. At least. Yeah, because uh, the 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 sixty on the sixteen inch, the ports only go up to the the Thunderbolt ports go up to hundred watt charging, and the MagSafe goes up to hundred and forty watt charging. So, if you want the super 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 fast charging, you have to use MagSafe. But honestly, the the laptop charge is fine on the on the Thunderbolt ports. So that's just what I use. But I'm so, like that was it was just some I, something that I'm sure other people must relate to, and they must. It can't just be me putting the the USB C port in the HDMI slot, but. <laughs> It's it's so disorientating because it feels like it's clicking in, but it's just the way the HMI slots arranged. There's just enough space for it to fit in there and actually hold without just immediately falling out. So, but four months on, three months on now from when I bought the laptop, I'm still so over the moon with it. It's it's fantastic. You like, you, you need an HDMI shaped like dummy connector to just seal it off. You know? Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I could plug it over, that actually honestly would be pretty cool. I'm sure someone might actually sell something like that. Just use tape. <laughs> yeah, but the laptop still is crazy good. Like. It's so quiet. It does what you need. It doesn't like and 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 in the successive updates when they keep making the 120 hertz better, that's nice as well now because like Safari is really smooth to scroll through and stuff. And you were doing some um, testing, I know, the other week about like low power mode. Yes, and still doing that. Yeah, you st- you still on low power mode now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in in life and uh, in, in, in macOS, all of the above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think like real world performance isn't that degraded when you're actually running low power mode on the mac so i guess why not run it in that mode if you don't notice if you see what i mean mm-hmm. but on the on the that's on the m1 models on the m1 pro and m1 max uh, MacBook pros if you go into low power mode that also cuts your display refresh rate in half because it turns off promotion so it goes down to 60 and after you got used to a promotion panel when you turn low power mode on you notice the screen being juddery at 60 hertz immediately it looks like it's lagging all over the place but it's just what it used to be before it's just you got used to it being having twice the frame rate do you have the model with high power mode yeah yeah, yeah. the six all the 16 the 16 inch with the m1 max have high power mode uh which i do have and i have tried it but i couldn't tell like and and most benchmarks don't show any difference in between automatic and high power mode it's only if you're doing like 8k video export that you're going to save like an extra 20 seconds or something if you're in high power mode versus automatic so I have I just run my laptop in automatic. Yeah, the thing with uh, low power mode that, that got me looking at it was um, there was a day where I was at the car dealer having my air condition fixed in my car as the um, as it needed to be done, and I intentionally didn't bring my charger with me with my MacBook Air. Um, this is like you know this it's gonna last me all day long without even trying to you know make it. Like, it's gonna last me through the workday um, for for the eight hours of being online. Um, and then I was just thinking, well. I know it will last, but I, I also would want to avoid like getting close or being surprised and something go wrong and it doesn't last. So I looked at, oh, let's just see what low power mode does. And so I turned it on and 
you know, can't really tell us what changed. I'm still getting my mail notifications, which on, on iOS is something that happens is you don't get those uh, alerts. Um, you, you don't get like the background refresh for, for mail. Um, you had to like click the battery icon to even see that you were in low power mode. You know, I think correctly, it doesn't change the color of the battery in the status bar in the menu bar. Uh, Whereas it does on iOS. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that, but, but also iOS, like on the phone, if you get back up to eighty percent battery, it turns off low power mode. But mm-hmm. it doesn't do that on the Mac, right? It just stays on low power. On, mode on the Mac, your two options. I mean, you manually change it, but your two options are um, have low power mode on or off for battery, and then separately on or off for for being plugged into the power adapter. Right. So okay. you, yeah. yeah. So and you can you can say always low power mode on both, um, which which is just kind of what I was doing to get a feel for how does this uh, perform otherwise. And then I was like, well, what does this do? So I started Googling it. And like, I found our coverage on 9to5Mac of like when it was in the first beta version. And, you know, there was, of course, like no information published about it. But then I was looking for coverage of like, well, it's this is like a year before last or something like that when it was in beta. Now it's been out for a couple of years. What does it do? Um, and there were a lot of articles that were like targeting that question. You know, what does Lepar mode do? And the answers were usually, we don't know. It was just <laughs> it was just telling you what Apple said, which is um, you know, use this to save save battery. And there was nothing what I wanted was like documentation of like, here are the things that you should expect not to happen on low power mode. Um and and I couldn't find that. So now all I want to do is just see like if without being too scientific, if I'm doing my my journal work on on battery without, you know, anything vastly different from from the day before. You know how how long or what do I hit at the end of the day? And yeah, you actually gaining any extra hours? <laughs> right, right. You you can see like benchmarks. It makes the like the the top performing benchmarks lower by I think maybe about half. But um, again, that, that I think that only matters when you're doing certain tasks. And so for what I do, I haven't noticed. Yeah, because I think it just basically means that the computer is using the efficiency cores more than the higher performance cores. But if you're doing just general day to day, you know, office tasks. You're most of the time spending on the efficiency cores anyway. That's why you don't notice, if you see what I mean. Like, if you're doing benchmarks or video exports or, you know, compiles and stuff, that's when you're actually using the speed of the high performance cores anyway. Like, so low power mode in those cases will probably be more, would be more noticeable, right? But if you're just doing Twitter, Safari, Slack, like the, the M1s are fast enough to run them on basically on the efficiency cores only, which give you good battery life and obviously, you know, still fast performance, just not at the highest end of what the, chip can theoretically get when it invokes all eight cores yeah so it'd be cool if you can notice a perform uh, a battery life difference but i kind of think it'd probably be quite close because your your general workflows are not invoking the high performance cores that often so right you're basically you're basically just opting into the automatic behavior that you're getting anyway if you see what yeah. i mean yeah yeah Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash Hour. Relationships, whether romantic or just friends, they take a lot of work. We'll drop anything and go out of our way to help someone that we care about. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? When do you take a day off just to give your mind a break? Do you do therapy or maybe do you get some coaching? Well, this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one that you have with yourself. Invest in yourself as much as you do, friends and family. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. 
Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and 9to5Mac Happy Hour listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Hour. That's spelt B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash M-A-C-H-A-P-P-Y-H-O-U-R. That's betterhelp.com slash Hour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. So last week we spoke about AirTag and what Apple's doing to try to, you know, tackle this issue of people being caught, you know, stalking other people or, or tracking cars or, you know, things like that with, with, with AirTag. And um, we, we went through and, you know, kind of just read in detail what, what the changes that were coming um, were going to be. And then in the, in the, I think the beta four version or beta three version of iOS 15.4, the changes were included and we could see firsthand, this is what it looks like. Um, so what's, what's changed there, I guess, or what, what, what have we learned from having it in hand versus. Yeah. Cause the, the air tag like press release thing was a big long letter, but if you actually dived into the changes, the stuff shipping now is relatively small, right? They were giving updated documentation online. They were doing, um, like outreach and community support, uh, talking about how they're uh, working in law enforcement and stuff. But then the main like software change that was shipping near term was the thing about where when you set up an AirTag for the first time, you get that panel that tells you this AirTag is associated with your Apple ID. You, it, is a, it is a crime to use AirTags for tracking people. They're meant for tracking items only, you know, confirm and continue. So that's what's now been uh, put into the latest beta, so you can say that for yourself. You can track for yourself if you want to. Like we spoke about this last week, but if you're a criminal, the 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 warning modal isn't going to change your behaviour, is it? I don't think so. If anything, it just maybe makes you slightly more conscious that your the AirTag is attached to your Apple ID, and so you'll just make fake Apple IDs from now on rather than using your actual one. Uh, but I mean, they they've got to do that, right? Because that's like. You know, it's it's responsible. It's like when you have a film and you have to put a warning label up at the front, or you know, some food has bad stuff inside it, or addictive, uh, like uh, dry, uh, um, smoking and stuff. They always put the little warning labels on the front. Like, I get that's the equivalent here. People that most people, I don't think, read those labels, but they kind of have to do it to, sh- you know, show a a sign of responsibility. Probably helps yeah. out in the legal department too. Probably helps the legal department too, yeah, because then they, if they do get taken to court over it, they'll be like, look, when they set this up, the user explicitly said they weren't going to use this to track people, but that doesn't stop people doing it. Um, the other changes, like the higher uh, frequency sound waves or the precision finding stuff, all that's still coming like later in the year, so that's not there. But one thing that they have done in Beta 4, in addition to the, you know, the I'm, I know what I'm doing modal, is they've actually separated notifications for the find my app into the two categories so before when you'd get like a item safety alert that would follow the notification options uh, of the find my app but now you can have separate notifications for tracking alerts and just general find my stuff i.e uh your friends locations your own item locations and so if you're somebody who wants to just have tracking and notifications you don't want to use the find my experience at all now you can actually do that because there are they're separate items in the notification settings similarly if you're getting a lot of item safety alerts that are false positives maybe you live in like an apartment block or something and people around you or you're sharing with roommates and you the 
the unknown item alert or the item is moving with you stuff keeps firing when you don't want it to now you can actually turn that off and still use the fire my functionality for your own devices so that's another way of looking at it if you don't care about the uh, privacy concerns and you just want to make those alerts go away like that now you can do it or you can just have them go to notification center rather than making a noise and buzzing your phone and stuff like they just split out the options so you've got a bit more granularity there yeah I have to admit, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Apple's taking steps at, at any size. Um, I have to admit, it's getting complicated to keep track of my head what all of this is, mm-hmm. you know, without referencing it. I was surprised, actually, that the press release didn't have more of, a, like, a riotous response. Like, I thought a lot more people would have been like, this isn't enough, Apple's just for showboating, you know what I mean? But they, they put out the press release, and it mostly seems to have quieting down the criticism so maybe it's one of those things where they've now got a few months of leeway while they implement the features they promised and then when the features come out then there'll be a, a second wave of reports of like apple's new uh safeguards don't actually work but at least for the the short term i think the pr crisis has actually been quelled by what apple did so in that in that in laxes at least it did work yeah are you, are you still using an air tag up for anything i still have an air tag on my keys yeah i have not yet fully lost my keys to the point where I actually needed the air tag, but I lose them in the house, you know, which room are they in or whatever, and I could manually search, but it's kind of cool to just make them ping from your phone. Or you can ask Siri to be like, where's my keys? And it will ping them or whatever. So that's cool. But yeah, like I, I, I think air tags are a very good product, but they have very select uses like luggage, keys. After that, kind of struggling to think of where I'd put them, if you know what I mean. I put mine away last week. Oh, was, really? Yeah, I was just like, just kind of like stressed out about you know the the ongoing story uh, around them, mm-hmm. and it's just like, man, I just want to not use these now. <laughs> like, not because I don't think like they should be taken off the market or find my network closed down or anything like that, but um, just for me, it was like every time I saw them on my keys in my backpack, I thought about the, the news coverage, and um, I was like, you know, like part of it was like. If I objectively, I don't know. I mean, it's silly, but like, if if I wanted to be super neutral about this, this, you know, the the stories going around, you know, and be more objective about it, then maybe not use them. Um, but the, I mean, that was the most of it. it. Was just like these are kind of stressing me out, and then you know, I see them every single day, and I don't, you know, hopefully, I never have to use them. Um, and and you know, I haven't lost anything since then. But I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I lose my keys or my. That's backpack. the thing. Now, the, the problem with the air tags, they're like insurance. It's like sure. You don't need them until you need them, you know? And then it's like, wow, I wish I hadn't taken them off. But there will be a big test coming up because the AirTag's battery is rated to last approximately one year. And the product came out in March of last year. So in very soon, people are going to have the thing where it's like, if you want to keep using your product, you've got to get a battery changed. Yeah. Which is easy to do. People who'd be like, I haven't actually used the AirTag. I'm not going to bother. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to do, but I I could see myself being in that camp of. There's a ton of other things I could do instead of that. Yeah. Um, also new in uh, iOS 15.4 beta, the, the version that came out this week, is a fifth option in the U.S. for Siri's voice. And this is specifically um, a non-gender uh, voice uh, recorded by, a, um, I think, an actor who identifies as, as non-gender. Uh, so the, it, it's... It's in it's it's in the beta version. I think it's the US only. I think that's what. Uh, do, do you have it in the UK? Uh, you can choose the US voice. You can choose the US voice. I see. Yeah, because you know when yeah, you go like yeah. setting Siri, it's like choose your language, then you choose the voice under that language. Gotcha. Yeah. There's no new British voices or other. It's just for the US. Right. Right. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it isn't marked that way or anything. Um, again, they're, they're doing just voice one through five now and, um, and not, you know, previously they identified female and male and then they, they added two, uh, additional voices. So an additional male, additional female, and they, they call them one through four. And now they have this fifth voice, which is, is, you know, from what, what they Apple said is, is, is specifically intended to be non-gender. Um, so, so that's, uh, new in the beta. You can actually hear what it sounds like. Even if you're not running the beta version, you can hear on nine to five Mac, the article covering this, you can listen to it without being on the beta yet. So I, I thought that was convenient. Yeah, I think it's a nice option and it, it makes sense for them to offer a more gender neutral voice when the whole point of them doing the thing where they renamed all the voices to take out the names was to remove the sexism, right? Cause there was a lot of criticism about uh, voice assistants being too gendered one way or the other obviously um you know alexa is very female and even in the name it sounds female siri is like more neutral in terms of name but the default voice in america has always been female so people associate with female voices and you know it probably doesn't make sense to even bother opening the can of worms so apple was like well now we just won't have a default we'll just let people choose when they set up the devices and we won't even name the voices like you know karen or david or whatever they're just voice one voice two voice three and voice four and then you can click on them and choose for yourself which one you want. Uh, and now they're giving you a, a fifth option. I, I, I think all the like the modern Siri voices sound pretty good, and it just comes down to personal preference of what sounds the best to you. Uh, but like, I, I think it's great. They should have more voices, to be honest. Like, sure, yeah, yeah. I, I wish they do special voices. You know, tie-ins. Like, I wish you could have like Ted Lasso be your Siri as well. Like, you know, uh, the Google Assistant and Alexa are actually like much more. Uh, fun in that regard whereas apple's been like we're only going to give you like three or four options they're all anonymous neutral people rather than like celebrities and stuff uh, a, ted, so, a ted lasso apple watch face seems inevitable oh it has to be coming <laughs> right i mean they've got well they have toy story and they've got like other random stuff yeah, <laughs> I can't yeah, even mickey, remember. Mouse, mickey mouse yeah uh they've got to do like a tv plus face one of these days right which or even if just ted lasso standalone like because you don't have to have it installed like you didn't like that's the thing like people uh, who complain about uh, this stuff being too in your face or like you know apple pushing servers and everybody like just having an apple watch face which is of you know a cool show that they have like that's just good marketing and it they don't have to like install it by default or you know make it really prominent or make it annoying they can just have it as an option or they could have a watch face app store and then they could just put it in the app store you know but if they're not going to do that they have to do it manually yep and and you you think that this update will come out in early March with, with new hardware? I think so, yeah. Because where it baited for now, it seems to be pretty stable. There's pro- And they've stopped doing Xcode releases, and generally they stop doing Xcode releases when they're trying to hide hardware from leaking out because the simulators in Xcode generally leak the hardware stuff. And everything's pointing to this coming out in March, so they're probably going to come out alongside the March products. So the uh, iPad 5G, the iPad Air update and the iPhone SE 5G they'll probably ship with iOS 15.4 to begin with. So that's probably when this thing's coming out. So in about like two weeks or so, I'd say. So that'd be my guess anyway. Cool. Not that there's anything like, I guess the most dramatic feature in 15.4 is the face ID thing, right? For mask unlock. Yeah, that's that's the good one where, yeah, the, the changes with face ID where you can say, if you're using a mask and you don't have an Apple Watch, you can still unlock your phone. Yeah, that's, that's going to be useful when it comes out for everybody. Yeah, and if you care about like the more businessy side, this update also includes the uh, tap to pay contactless stuff. So 
that's when you'll start being able to, when small businesses start actually being able to do that with Stripe with 15.4. So eventually, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a 15.4 is very much a uh, finishing off. Oh, oh, the other thing is universal control, isn't it? I forgot about that. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So that's been long <laughs> in the tooth coming as well. But that's the so basically 15.4 is face unlock, universal control, and uh, tap to pay on iPhone. Yeah. Pretty good. And Pretty hardware good. support and and air tags safety and some other smaller stuff. Before iOS 16 is announced in about three months' time. <laughs> yeah. Also this week, Happy Hour is sponsored by Upstart. If you're carrying multiple credit card balances and only paying off the minimums such that you're barely making a dent in your actual debt, that is very, you know, it can be very discouraging. But Upstart can help you pay off your existing debt quickly so you can feel like you're finally getting ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan done entirely online whether it's paying off credit cards consolidating high interest debt or funding personal expenses over a million people have used upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date rather than looking at just your credit score upstart can consider other factors like your income employment and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan you can check your rate without impacting your credit score in just five minutes for loans worth between one to fifty thousand dollars you can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan find out how upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash happy hour that's upstart.com slash happy hour spelt u-p-s-t-a-r-t dot com slash happy hour don't forget to use our url to let them know that we sent you loan amounts would be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application one more time go to upstart.com slash happy hour all right, uh, Mark Gaiman at Bloomberg has uh, sort of released his predictions, or, or not predictions really, but reporting on uh, which Macs we'll see come this year and how the CPUs will, will be different. Um, some of this is, is you know, what's been reported before by Mark, and um, some of it is just kind of putting it putting it all together. And, you know, and, and I don't know, like, does any of this show up next week or not, a couple of weeks from now at the Apple event? You know, which which again he says is March eighth. We haven't. Seen announced yet, but hopefully by next week we do have that announced. Um, but what's inside this 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 collection of of uh, you know Max coming this year? Yeah, this was a good email from his newsletter, and it's like you know obviously we kind of know what the general shape of it is because Apple said they're going to complete the Apple Silicon transition within two years, and that two year date is October twenty twenty two, and there seems to be no evidence that anything's going to slow him down from achieving that. Even despite some, you know, world, world disruption and trip shortage and stuff, Apple was well ahead on their schedule. And just by going on that basis, you can subtract the products that have already seen an Apple Silicon transition and focus on the products that are still running on Intel, like the higher end Mac Minis, uh, the equivalent of an iMac Pro, right? Which, although is completely discontinued now, obviously Apple has to provide something in the higher end line. The 27 inch iMac still survives today, for instance, running on Intel chips. You have the Mac Pro, obviously. So that's kind of like the obvious stuff. But what's nice in Mark's report is he just kind of lays out everything, including updates to stuff that's already on M1, uh, what the hardware spec is, and also what exact chip specifications they're going to come with. So we'll just, and he says that these, uh, some of these Macs are going to launch in March, some are going to launch in June, some are going to launch later in the year. He doesn't actually go into a specific timeline on the stuff, but, you know, one or two of these probably come out in March. Then, of couple more shown at wwc and then all of them will be out by the holiday season so i thought we'd just run down the list and can give a little like latest update impressions on each model so the first one he mentions is a new mac mini with the m1 pro chip so right now obviously apple has the 
uh, M1 Mac Mini, which looks uh, has shares the same industrial design as the previous gen uh, Intel's, except it's space grey, but the actual body is the same size, right? It's quite big. Uh, it has a lot of internal space that's just empty because the M1 chip was so power efficient, it doesn't need big heatsink and thermal enclosure stuff. So the current M1 Mac Mini is like, we took the old design, we've ripped out the Intel chip, we put an M1 chip in there, and the actual form factor is kind of overkill for it, but here it is anyway. It was cheap, we shipped it, right, as part of the first rollout of M1. But that only addresses the lower-end specifications of the, uh, I guess, desktop form factor of the Mac Mini. They, so they still sell the higher-end configs in the Intel uh, configurations, and I think I misspoke before. I meant it's it's the higher end is the space gray ones, right? This is the not this is the silver ones. So what the M1 Pro Mac Mini would be, it would be the form factor of the model that actually gets rid of the Intel Mac Minis altogether because the M1 Pro will be faster than what the M1s can offer. Plus, you get the extra ports and I/O because, for instance, the M1 has the big limitation of only being able to support one external display, whereas an M1 Pro or an M1 Max can support two and Based on the form factor of the Mac Mini, if an M1 Pro and M1 Max chip can live inside of a laptop, they can definitely fit inside of a Mac Mini. So an M1 Pro Mac Mini is very sensible. It's unclear whether we're going to get a chassis redesign or not, because Mark also mentions a Mac Mini with an M2 chip also coming this year. And we have John Prosser and people have leaked a supposed design of a new Mac Mini where it looks it shares a lot of design cues from the M1 iMac, so you have like more colourful, like a plexiglass top. The overall thing's a bit thinner, uh, but maybe that's only for the M2 one and not the M1 Pro one. Like maybe the M1 Pro is just a quick release spec bump thing. That's unclear. So we don't know exactly what final product will look like, but at least specification-wise, there's going to be a Mac Mini with an M1 Pro and a Mac Mini with an M2, uh, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it's, it sounds like uh, this year every Mac in the lineup except for the MacBook Pro 14 and 16, which came out last fall, we'll have a new version this year. Yes. Yeah, that there's no yeah. Mac that won't have a new version coming out this calendar year, except for the 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pro, which was re- they were released last fall, so they're still very, very new. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they're not due for an update until 2023, basically. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good that, that you know, because you know it's been it's been quiet for the last couple of months, of course, it's the beginning of the year. But um, that I, I'm not sure we ever had a year where like every Mac has been updated. This has got to be a year 12... where the most Macs are updated in one year, right? Like... Yeah, and if you look at it as like a 12 month calendar year, then you know it's it's you could say it's every Mac in the lineup. I think so. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, exactly. Because the 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 M1 laptops were literally like October November, weren't they? So yeah, one month off, having every single Mac changed within the same calendar year it's pretty crazy um mac minis do you have a mac mini at the moment no I'm used to I, I, no no i was always tempted over the years to get one including when the m1 mac mini was out but the thing with the m1 mac mini that didn't really appeal to me was a big benefit of m1 is battery life improvements over intel chips and you don't get that with a, with a mac that's plugged in all the time um and even with the imac i mean you got a whole new design for the 24 inch iMac. So you got another benefit there, but, um, so don't, but, but my first Mac when I was working, well, no, I, I I had a Mac mini in like 2013 and it was a pretty high end one, but it was just because I had a MacBook air and I bought 
because I started working with 9 to 5 Mac, a display for the MacBook Air and a keyboard and a mouse. And then I decided, you know, I've got everything here for like a full desktop computer, except for like, you know, the, the desktop computer. So let me free my MacBook Air from this clamshell life and get a Mac Mini. And, and I used that for a long time, you know, it was in like two years, but um, I haven't had one since maybe probably 2014, 2015. But, and a new design wouldn't be enough to entice you back in. No, no, no. New designs are cool, but the form factor just doesn't appeal. I mean, if, if, if the thing is, uh, it's very reliant on Apple having <laughs> a display that doesn't cost $5,000 because, you know, you get a pretty good a display with any iMac and with the Mac Mini, you supply your own. Um, and if you want it to be Retina, you know, you're looking at LG's thing. So, <laughs> and there are rumors about Apple working on new external displays, but unclear on timelines, right? I mean, hopefully they would do it alongside a, like a Mac Pro update, but I could also see them just introducing like a second generation version of the Pro Display XDR, which is way expensive. Uh, like, so they could they could bring out like a Pro Display XDR two with like one twenty hertz one twenty hertz refresh rate and stuff. They should, do. but that doesn't address the Mac Mini market, right? So you have you have a MacBook Air at the moment, right? My only computer is a MacBook Air, the M1 version that I paid $900 for. I mean, I went back and forth over computers for a little while, but like the one I ended up with is uh is the MacBook Air. And I was looking today at like purchase history um because I was I was, you know, a little bit curious about, you know, MacBook Pro and the the new screen and everything. And um I was looking back and I'm positive that I was having this thought back in January. And um, I like had bought this MacBook Air at the beginning of November, and so I'm sure like two minutes later I was thinking about you know oh but but the, you know by then the MacBook Pro was out and everything and I was thinking you know what can I get for this to make the MacBook Pro not too grand, um, and never did anything with that. And but I saw today I was looking to see what size TV I have <laughs> from my Best Buy purchase history, and I saw in there that my MacBook Air was returnable until like a few a couple of weeks ago <laughs> because of the holiday period. And I could have just exchanged it, like got full credit for it from Best Buy and put it toward a MacBook Pro, but uh, <laughs> did not do that. <laughs> the MacBook Air is a great laptop. And in fact, it's going to get even better because this year they're going to do a redesigned MacBook Air uh, with the M2 chip. So the M2 chip, obviously, it's one bigger than M1, but it's, it's like the thing is, you, Apple had a massive sea change when they switched from intel to the arm chips right like the difference in performance was like double it was insane and performance per watt was like double as well so you got really long battery life from m1 to m2 the, the difference is gonna be much smaller like the cpu core is gonna be slightly faster the gpu core is probably gonna be slightly stronger and maybe you get one or extra one or two extra cores so not only is each core slightly faster but instead of eight gpu cores you get like 10 or something uh I wouldn't be surprised if, like, for most people, they couldn't even tell the difference between an M1 and M2 chip in operation. Like, it's probably about the same. Uh, so what's going to be cool about this particular model is they're also going to redesign it. And we've seen a lot of leaks about what the MacBook Air redesign is going to be like. Again, sharing from, like, the M1 iMac aesthetic, lots of pretty colors, uh, thinner, high-resolution display, thinner bezels. So I'm pretty excited to see what that product is. Obviously, I'm not in the market because I just bought this M1 Pro MacBook Pro. But... Uh, for the like the MacBook Air right now is the best, probably the best Apple's best product. <laughs> like just on uh, in terms of value for money and and like utility. And so if they can rev it with a a new version and not put the price up, like that's the real question for me is will the redesigned MacBook Air be more expensive? Because some of the rumors kind of float it as like a higher end version, 
And if you start getting the price up, then the appeal goes off because that nine ninety nine price point in the current Mavic area is so compelling. The 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 form factor, you know, too is um, it wasn't this way for the past few years because the MacBook Pro thirteen inch was was pretty thin. But when they introduced the fourteen and sixteen inch MacBook Pro, it, that's a much bigger difference in in the form factor in terms of like thinness and weight and everything. Um, so still like, still to me, this MacBook air, even though the display isn't what you have on the pro, um, you know, the form factor makes it, you know, quantifiably, you know, different and and worth it to me if you're using it as a portable computer and not always at your desk, which, which is how I use mine. Yeah, for sure. Like, and it's not even guaranteed that the M2 MacBook air will get like the promotion screen or anything. We don't know that yet. It might, it might not, they might keep the promotion stuff for higher end laptops only. So at that point, the MacBook Air redesign, I mean, it's, it's like new colors, slightly thinner, different shape, probably more boxy, like definitely cool. Oh, and, and the M2 chip is probably add uh, second display support, which is actually a big deal for people, like probably more important than the CPU bump or the GPU increases. Uh, the fact that right now you can only plug in one external display is a bit of a limiting because a lot of people who work from home or work in offices, they have like dual monitor setups at their desk and quite often they'll use the laptop in clamshell mode and they want two screens, and that was the, probably the biggest regression from the Intel to ARM transition. Is that all the cheap versions they can only all the cheap all the cheaper Macs can only support one external display at the moment. So the M2 will probably add a second lane for display output, which will be a big big improvement. Yep. And, and by the way, like if this M1 to M2 year over year update happens, I know for the for the MacBook Air it isn't a year over year, but um, for the 24 inch iMac it would be. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty good. It kind of, it kind of, it's a pretty good sign that you, you, we won't have the days of like, when was the last year that this Mac was updated, you know, looking at the Mac mini or an iMac, for example, um, we can, we can, we can probably assume that as long as the, <laughs> the iPhone chip keeps getting updated, you know, annually, um, that it's much easier for Apple to make a version of that for the Mac as well. And, and that you just get, you know, whatever the benefits are, just like you do with the iPhone, you get year-over-year uh, enhancements. With yeah, they definitely benefit from the economies of scale there. And I'm not, I don't expect them to have, like, brand-new Mac models every single year, but maybe on, like, the same cadence as an iPad, you know, like, every 18 months to two years, there's always going to be some new model, even if it's just, like, a chip bump. And we have seen with the iPad, or, excuse me, we have seen with MacBooks before where s- specs would be bumped up, not including the processor, you know, so they they would make a change to you know the graphics or a change to um, memory options or storage options available or something with the screen, but not the same chip because Intel didn't have anything newer. Um, so so now you know, especially with with Apple Silicon being you know your processor, Their own. Your, your your CPU and your GPU, you know, and your memories in there that that you know you know maybe, maybe there is room for annual updates and you know growing out the options of like what those things can do so we'll see yeah even if it's just smaller stuff like yeah you're not going to get massive changes every year but they can definitely maybe eke out a little bit of extra performance maybe a little bit of extra battery life here and there whereas in intel land we would go like three years sometimes without any change to a laptop yeah like uh, any any apple chip upgrade year over year would be more interesting than the MacBook that has the same processor as the one that it replaces from Intel. And differentiated from all the Windows computers, right? Like, that's the other thing is uh, in before you could be like, oh, the, you know, Apple's in, Apple's MacBook Pro is lagging behind because the Windows, you know, the Windows market is already on the 11th gen Intel Core chips and then Apple's just not 
budging. But now it's like, you know, Apple's in a completely different silicon lineup, and all that silicon is also faster than all the Windows computers, which helps. But like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You can't even make comparisons anymore. Apple's in like really put themselves in a very advantageous advantageous position. And when you try to make the comparisons, you have to include not just performance, but also you know if it's a if it's a a, a laptop, you know, battery life. <laughs> now it, yeah, all yeah, of yeah. those things. Speaking of the laptop, uh, Mark says there's going to be a 13-inch MacBook Pro with M2. This is like the ugly duckling of the lineup, right? This is the one that currently has a touch bar. Uh, the MacBook Air is going to get a nice big redesign. We don't expect this 13-inch MacBook Pro to get a big redesign. It's probably going to look about the same, but without the touch bar, it will just get the chip upgrade, and it will just carry on being a lower-end model of the MacBook Pro. Ideally, they might like rename it or something just so it was slightly less confusing between MacBook Air and MacBook Pro and the higher-end ones, but... I mean, they haven't Apple are naming. You can never, you can never bet on them actually having sane naming structures. But yeah, the screen size is enough, I think, to distinguish it for now. Yeah, the the reason this one has to exist is because the current, you know, actual MacBook Pros, the fourteen inch, sixteen inch, they start at like two thousand dollars, and this one's like thirteen hundred. And there's a massive like seven hundred dollar price gap in the middle of that lineup where there is some they cost have to savings. Have something. There is some cost savings when you remove the touch bar for Apple. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, but uh, it like. Mm, it's not that I, I mean the problem for me is the the MacBook Pro doesn't get eaten by the higher end MacBook Pros because they're seven hundred dollars more expensive. It just gets eaten by the MacBook Air. Like the MacBook Air is just so good. Like why would you not choose that over this? This MacBook is the Pro, but... this is the MacBook Air with a fan. Yeah, yeah, and you don't and like you you don't need the fan. <laughs> you just really don't like. I don't understand why people prefer it to the MacBook Pro, but clearly Apple thinks it has to exist for some reason. Sorry, I don't understand why people prefer it to MacBook Air, but it's clearly Apple thinks that this. MacBook Pro has to exist for some reason. Yeah, for another year at least. For at least one more year, yeah. And then, excitingly, Mark says there's going to be the larger screen I'm, iMac. He actually calls it an iMac Pro, not even just like a 27-inch iMac. So uh, maybe he knows something there. Like an iMac Pro returns uh, with options for M1 Pro or M1 Max. No, it's not really a surprise. Uh, and then the half-size Mac Pro will have CPU options of e- of either a dual M1 Max, so that's uh 20 cpu cores or four m1 max which is 40 cpu cores and then that'd be 128 gpu cores on the um arm mac pro which mark continues to describe as half size of the current mac pro it remains unclear whether the inter mac pro will still stick around i'm thinking it probably will but it's just not going to get any more updates they're gonna they're gonna focus on the arm one but there's gonna be like you know, high-end workstation needs that still demand Intel for one reason or another, so it'll probably stay around. But I reckon the higher-end Intel Mac Mini configs will disappear this year, uh, and then it will just leave, like, some oddballs of people still needing Intel Mac Pros, and then Apple will otherwise be entirely Apple Silicon across the entire Mac lineup. Yeah, you, you, there was that, that rumor for a little while about the current Mac Pro having one chip revision before... Yeah, the move to to Apple Silicon. Yeah, the, you you mean the Intel one, like having an Intel chip in between? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It hasn't happened, so it hasn't happened. I will not doesn't really surprise me too much. <laughs> yeah, the the large iMac Pro is cool. Like I I I I, I am a, a laptop man at the moment, but laptop I could man. you know in the if if they made an if they made an iMac that was really sleek and didn't have a chin and stuff like that, like. I could be tempted to to switch up to a to a desktop configuration. You're like a that. laptop man that uses it docked ninety percent of the time. Exactly. Like <laughs> if they gave me a, I don't want a Mac Pro because they're too expensive and kind of overkill for what I need. But like if they gave me a really nice iMac Pro the configuration, Pro, Pro Motion, 
yeah. promotion, obviously. Yeah, uh, like pretty good. And not the not the I like I don't I still even a year and a half on I still don't like the M1 iMac design really of the white bezel with the big chin. It like. needs a notch. That's what you're saying. I prefer. Well, I mean, out of <laughs> the lesser of two evils, I would prefer them to go slightly thicker on the whatever axis you want to describe as the actual thickness, uh, so that they could drop the chin and just have a uniform bezel on the front. That would be my preference by mile. And maybe for an iMac Pro, they could mix up the design a little to, to achieve that. Because when I'm sitting, standing at my desk, looking face on, I'm not going to see the thinness, but I am going to see the really thin uniform bezel design. So that'd be my vote. This time next year, we'll know a whole lot more because <laughs> everything here will, will have been released by then if this all pans out. Yeah, and... Apple's obviously not just the Mac company. This is like eight, nine products they're going to rev this year, plus all the other stuff, like the phones and the iPads and, you know, headset and all who knows what else. Uh, So, like, it's going to be a very busy year. I mean, I know it's been a slow couple of months at the moment, but they're going to have a lot of stuff to, to push out the production line for sure. Finally this week, Happy Hour is sponsored by Kanji. Kanji offers next-generation Apple device management for your business, spanning Mac, iPad, iPhone, and even Apple TVs that your company is using. Kanji offers a full suite of tools to automate device setup with ongoing management of all your Apple devices in a business. Kanji makes it easy to transform any new Mac into a computer that is ready for work with all of the right apps and settings in place. And devices managed with Kanji keep themselves secure automatically. Apps are patched, macOS is updated, and security controls are enforced without manual management from admins. And with automatic remediations, Kanji can detect if an important app has been uninstalled or if a setting has been changed incorrectly. Not only alert you, but even automatically and autonomously fix it for you, saving you precious time. Most MDM solutions give you the tools to help you manually achieve general security compliance, but Kanji goes one step further. Everything that you need has already been built, like scripts and settings profiles, and it's all just ready to use, neatly organized into templates. And with the automatic self-service app, users can easily see a list of curated apps that they can install on their own. And the self-service app can be white-labeled with your own branding, help text and categories so it fits right in with your business. Once an app is installed, it's kept up to date automatically through the Kanji platform. So go to kanji.io slash happy hour for a free demo or trial. That's spelled K-A-N dji.io slash happy hour kanji.io slash happy hour thanks to kanji for sponsoring the show and now we're looking to the future by a lot this is definitely future future (laughs) land yeah did you know mayo that apple is considering a 20 inch macbook pro that's up from 16 and it will be 20 and it will be foldable foldable (laughs) the whole thing is just a big map that you unfold and there's your macbook pro it's it's obviously the next evolution of the current MacBook Pro, right? I mean, this is this again like this isn't like sci-fi territory for me. Yeah, this is this is from Ross Young, who's like the preeminent display analyst at the moment, and he says that this laptop thing isn't coming till at least 2026, 2027. So, you know, we're talking future land, which means like 2030. So. Yeah, it means like 2030. I mean, they've got to ship the car and the many rally headset and the satellites and whatever else they're doing uh, between that time. Yeah. Between and, that time frame. And, and the way he frames it is there is interest. <laughs> you know, so, there is interest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I don't want like an all glass laptop. Like, I want to type on an actual keyboard. Like, I mean, as long as it's not like the only option, I think it's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> Like, as an equivalent to, like, an iPad, like, if you could have an iPad that 
you could like use as a tablet and then when you folded it in the middle and you have a keyboard below and a screen above it turns more into like a traditional like mac laptop what what makes this a macbook and 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 not a 20 inch ipad well uh, yeah i mean obviously rushung doesn't know what operating system it runs yeah right it's the os and and so (laughs) i you know i would i would probably think it's more a big ipad yeah, I mean, a 20-inch foldable iPad is cool as well, or if a 20-inch 20 20-inch foldable MacBook, like, whatever way they want to go with it. Like, I was just thinking, you know how stubborn Apple is about a touchscreen on any MacBook? <laughs> I was like, imagine if this is 20 inches, but, like, only only 10 inches are touchable. <laughs> it's like, That'd be pretty funny, yeah. Like, but if it were an iPad, you'd have 20 inches of touch input. <laughs> the thing is, if it's 20 inches, and you're meant to use it, like, in, like, a clamshell, conf- not a clamshell, but in, like, a, you know, laptop configuration, where it's, like, folded in half, and the bottom half's the keyboard... That's quite small. Like, you know, my laptop is 16 inches, but that's the screen. Like, you have, you have to half it if you're going to have half of it being the keyboard. That'd be an eight-inch screen if I half my current laptop. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe it does make more sense as an iPad uh, kind of form factor because even the smallest Mac today is, what, 13 inches? 13-inch MacBook Air? And if you do 20 inches divided by two, you're going to get, like, a 10-inch keyboard tray. So unless they go crazy with some crazy UI, which actually... Like the bottom half isn't just a keyboard; it like has stuff on it. I don't know. I can't wait I to. Un- I just can't wait to like have my Apple glasses do VR everywhere, AR, and then unroll like from my backpack, my MacBook, twenty inch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and then when you're done, you just snap your fingers, and the Apple car like pulls Ex- up exactly. autonomously, and you just yeah. step inside. Yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of other things that aren't going to happen, uh, <laughs> the foldable iPhone is also, <laughs> which to be fair, might happen. Uh, you know, Quote talked about it for a while, maybe coming like next year or something. But Ross Young says Apple is in no rush to join the foldable market and the foldable iPhone probably won't happen until at least 2025 because uh, Apple's doing just fine as they are. I mean, my, like, my, my thought on foldable is um, there's some cool examples on Android. And I saw one in the wild a couple of weeks ago. Somebody, when I was at the, the SpaceX event, had one and they were taking pictures. And I actually like, took a picture of them taking a picture just because it's a foldable phone in the wild. Um, and I, th- they're getting better every time there's a new version of them. But um, my big thing for me is like when we move to the iPhone from, you know, BlackBerry, I'd say every phone after that became like a big touchscreen, like the iPhone. And with the foldable stuff so far, we haven't yet seen. And I would even say like when when phablets, you know, what we called them at the time, just big screen phones came then every phone after that needed to be a big screen. You know, mm-hmm. the, the small, even like the, the iPhone was ancient in comparison then. Um, but we haven't yet seen like foldables replace all the phones, say from Samsung. Like every Galaxy phone here on out is a foldable is this, because this is a new thing. It's like, there's going to be a foldable version, but it's it's not the main line yet. And so I wouldn't expect Apple to do this until maybe like all the Android phones if it happens that foldable is what the market is and Apple now going to do their version of a foldable phone that's in some way better. The thing is right now that all the Android foldables are so expensive. Like, they're even more expensive than the top-end iPhones, you know what I mean? Like, to get the foldable models, which is why they can't be every single model. It's clear the foldable tech is just pricey. But even if the foldable phones were, like, competitively priced, I'm still not sure they would, like be super popular at the moment like they're cool and the foldable to me the foldable phones look really really sleek and really really cool when they're unfolded but when you fold them up they look kind of crappy like they're like really thick and they normally have like a weird like seam that you can see on the side or they like fold over and stuff like 
the aesthetics when they're in half, which is when they're in your pocket, like it's not great. And but when you unfold them, it's cool. But then you have to use it with two hands, and every time you get out of your pocket, you have to unfold it. Like I'm not saying Apple's never going to do it. Like I'm sure they will at some point, but I don't think like we've we've had the Samsung Galaxy Fold has been you know introduced for about three years at this point and like revised a couple two, of times and 2018 i think so like we're in like yeah before, like, yeah. like and it hasn't you don't even see the seeds of like this is where the market is going still you know like it they exist and uh, you know samsung i'm sure sells tens of millions every year but they're not up to the the hundreds of millions scale that would entice apple's eye you know yeah and I, I, you know this has not the first to say this but um foldable tablet seems a bit more interesting to me. Because... What about a, a twenty-inch foldable iPad? <laughs> right, it could, almost, it could almost be like a MacBook, you know? Like... Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, I think like you look at the Mac Mini or the iPad Mini right now, and that's pretty small, pretty constrained in terms of your, your space. Um, you know, I see people say if you're using it for you know school, you should just get the three twenty-nine iPad because it's a bigger screen than the iPad Mini is, um, and it's more practical. Um, you know, with the iPad Mini, you can't even have like one of Apple's smart keyboard cases or Magic keyboard cases with it. And but but if you know if you got into well, you like the form factor of that small tablet, but you can expand it much more. Um, that that would be pretty neat. It's a cool, like the idea of something that folds is really cool, but the practicalities of it still uh, leave a little bit to be desired, really. And even when the products are like done and they're like appealing. You're still gonna have to wait like another year for them for Apple to be able to like actually adopt it because they have to build hundreds of millions of them, right? And like they can't, they're always slow to technology like that because they have to wait for the production lines to be ready for it. Yeah, but um, I haven't looked closely at like what the latest foldables are. But we ha- have we gotten past the the era of like there's there's this visible crease in the middle, or you can't um, you can't remove this this film from it or you destroy the phone. Remember that? The fi- well, yeah, I mean the films still exist. They're just now there's no way for you to remove them right okay so it, so like before with the samsung galaxy fold that was the original one that did this like the film looked like a screen protector so people just peel it off and that was like bad whereas now they've got like the films just like attached to the screen so there's no way for you to peel them off but the films are still there so the actual screens don't feel as nice as you like know you don't have like the, the glass lam- laminated thing. glass yeah where it's like because I, I was looking at my 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 kid's new 329 iPad and like that's not a laminated screen and I haven't seen a screen like that from Apple in a long time um, yeah. for a device that I pick up and look at but like that's back to oh you, there's actually a gap there when you're looking at an angle um, yeah the, and the creases the creases have gotten better and I think when the screen's on it's much harder to see now on the latest gen versions but if you turn the screen off you can see the crease like but I don't think the crease is like a deal breaker for me the the bigger thing is the thickness like because all of these foldable phones when they're when they're unfolded they're about as thin as an iPhone, right? Which is great. But when they're in your pocket, you have to fold them in half, which means they're twice as thick as an iPhone, which just feels a bit, like, ungainly. Like, And unless someone can invent, like, a, a foldable form factor where it's still thin, even when folded up, feels kind of rubbish, at least in my opinion. So, Especially when you're having to spend $500 more than the high-end iPhones to buy them, right? Like, if they were, if they can get them down to price competitive, then maybe they'll have a better chance of faring in the market. But as it is... It's not something that Apple's going to be interested in, like short term. And and now that the foldables have been around for a little while, we can probably look at like long term durability of, of the form factor because that's got to be a concern. Is is with all this action, you know, movement and everything, um, how does it hold up versus just something you hold in your hand? 
Um, but I think that the the very, very low market adoption means it's hard to track down you know, people who, who have used this exclusively for, you know, more than a year or so. And then it finally is probably kind of the year where we will see Apple at least announce its first AR VR product. It's, it's still very unclear whether it's taking a ship this year, but uh, there are so many rumors around the AI headset, and this isn't the mainstream product. This isn't the cool glasses that are actually going to be revolutionary. This is the almost developer kit, like big over-the-head VR AR headset unit that's going to cost a fortune, that's probably only going to have like three or four hours of battery life, that's going to be really heavy, and it's going to be hard to get, and not many people are going to buy them because it's so expensive. But that version of the product is apparently completing production phases because Digitime said that the AI headset has passed uh, the engineering validation test step two, and that means that it is on track to debut at the end of the year. So this is sort of a progress report from Mark Herman's earlier reporting uh, like back in January or so of, you know, you're having battery issues, heating issues, camera issues. This seems to say they've overcome those things, I would guess. I mean, sometimes I feel like Mark's reporting is like telling you things that were actually going on like six months ago. Okay. Like, and that's not that's not a slight against him. I just mean like there's a delay in when the information gets out and then when it comes out. Or you can take the other or the other uh, view that Digitimes quite often wrong and uh, <laughs> say that Mark's more reliable, so he's probably true. But to be fair, what Mark said is that the product would just ship in 2023. So mm-hmm. Digitimes doesn't say it's definitely shipping this year; it just says it'll be ready to debut this year. And they could very. I think they've. It's been so long now that I almost feel like. If it's coming out, I know, and I know Apple got burned by the air power thing, but they like they can't take every single future product on the basis of air power. Like it's just unrealistic. I think it's very likely that the product will ship April, March, twenty twenty three, and be unveiled or teased at a September October event, just like they did with the Apple Watch in twenty fifteen, where they had a September event alongside the iPhone, where they unveiled it, and then it shipped in the in the spring, like. That seems very probable to me, and that would still fit Mark's deadline of it not coming out until 2023, even if it was originally meant to come out this year. So, to actually buy. And I don't know who's going to buy it. Like <laughs> That's the other thing. It's There's so much hype around it, but the way it's described, it's not going to be a big consumer win. And people, are, it's going to come out, and people are going to laugh at it, and like the way they laughed at the Protoss Bakes DR just for it being too expensive, I think. like or Because the thing is, $2,000, $3,000 AR VR headsets exist today. Like a Valve Index is about is you know is is expensive, and there's other ones that are a thousand dollars, other ones are two thousand dollars. The Hololens is like three thousand dollars. So like that market already exists of that price range, but the products are you know not in any consumer's m- mental headspace, right? Like they're so niche and they're so like enterprisey or whatever that basically nobody even knows they exist. It doesn't matter what Apple announces; people know about it, right? And so whenever Apple announces anything. It has so much more attention, and that also means it has so much more chance for being like criticized because people are going to see this thing. They're going to be like, who the heck is going to pay three grand on this headset that I kind of use for like two hours before I have to put it down again to recharge? So they're going to get a lot of heat for it, I'm sure, but they have to like they they have to get on the, the hardware path of AR VR if they want to have a competitive product in three years' time. You know, they have to start somewhere. Uh, it's not gonna it's not like the iPhone and the Apple Watch where they could come out with a great consumer 1.0 this stuff is just too many years away and you can't have a team of thousands of engineers 
doing R&D for a decade. Like they've already been doing R&D for five years and they're just about pushing it, you know? So this is going to come out. It's going to kickstart the industry, but it's not going to be a big consumer success. It's going to have to get cheaper for it to be like that. Yeah. The the fact that Apple isn't alone in, in, in this space now, when I think when the rumors started, it was just kind of weird. Like, what is Apple thinking about here? Why why would they do this middle ground of a mixed reality headset? Why wouldn't they just wait until the glasses of, you know, with the final product that they really envision um, is, is ready? But then you look at, you know, what every other tech company is doing now. And, and it seems like everyone's going to have a version of this. Because I was thinking, like, why do they even need to do this? Like, do they need to do this? Um, is, is that end goal sort of making the iPhone less important? And this becomes that, you know, more something that you rely on and more integrated in your life. But um, the fact that, that you know, there's so many different companies doing a version of this and Apple's just sounds like it's going to be very high end, almost like a proof of concept of how, how what, yeah. what, what are the best, you know, if you put all the best things in and you didn't really care if it was a consumer hit or not, you just wanted the best mixed reality experience you know this i mean i know we're going back a long time but if you want a rough analogy that the desktop computer was <laughs> expensive and ungainly and big and only bought by a few people originally because they were really expensive like when i was born i know my parents bought a two and a half grand computer and it had like a six megabyte of ram and like a 32 megabyte hard drive like it was like insane how much they spent on that thing back in the day and like they were very lucky to even have one like you know that was like 1995 era and like computers have been around but they weren't mainstream it took like another 10 years before they became you know the 300 400 pound computers that everyone was buying for every you know every and every household had one and then very quickly every house had a two three four you know what i mean like and so if you think that the ar revolution is like that then i guess you have to start by making the three grand desktop computer before you can make the a thousand dollar laptop that people are actually going to buy and before the decade is over you know and Look at it, like Apple's doing it, Facebook's doing it, Google's rumored to be doing it, Microsoft's doing it, like everybody's doing it. So, you know, and these companies don't all do the same thing just because they're sheep. Like they obviously see a strategy there. And so they have to get on the ground running somehow so that they can have a fully developed platform by the time the glasses that you're actually going to want to wear all day and that probably do have a chance of cannibalizing the iPhone are ready to go out the door. Yeah, I like that. You know, the, the original MacBook Air were like eighteen hundred dollars, and now they're a thousand and way better. So, just yep. just to your point, uh, or if you wanted SSD and it was twenty eight hundred dollars, yeah. <laughs> and now they're all SSD, of course. So. I mean, even the original iPhone was three times more expensive than what the iPhone three G was, right? Because yeah, yeah. they sold it on they sold it subsidized at six hundred dollars. The very next year, they sold the iPhone three G for one ninety nine subsidized, and it became so much more popular. Yeah. Yeah, and and it was better than the one that was way more expensive. And no one would, but no one would now say that it was a mistake for Apple to do the first iPhone, right? Like, but I guarantee you that's going to happen when this headset comes out. People will be like, Apple's out of touch with society. Like something insane. You know, there's going to be some crazy headlines. Yeah, that's a pretty good day that iPhone thing. Um, you know, today today would be Steve Jobs' sixty seventh birthday. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, think about that. It's like, you know, he he was fifty. Four, five, six, you know, when he passed away, it was like eleven years ago or so. Um, but to, and to think about that, it's like you know what? What I don't know. You really you can't go too far in this rabbit hole. But like what the the, the past ten years, like how would it have been different? Yeah, you know, you know, with 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 just him still in the world. You know, not not to say like what Apple decisions would be different, but just like you know, with, with just with just his intelligence and, and input, you know, is in, in the conversations. Um, but happy happy birthday. 
that is the happy hour podcast for this week. Uh, we appreciate everyone who subscribes through the Apple Podcast app. You can get the ad-free version for $5 a month. Uh, we appreciate everyone who supports our sponsors. Uh, we love hearing we, – we've heard a lot of good feedback from our sponsors lately saying you know, that this we, we are having a good experience here. So, so especially thanks to our listeners who make that happen, make this possible for us. Um, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happy hour at nine to five mac.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Apollo Zach. That's A P O L L O Z A C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at B Z A Man. We'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye bye.